Welcome to Underground at the Showcase, the official podcast of the Underground Music Showcase and a production of Youth on Record. I'm associate producer, Xavier Goche. In this episode, my co-host Chloe Hines and I sit down with local singer, songwriter, and producer, Grace Devine. Grace Devine is now a Denver-based artist on a mission to create a sonically supernatural listening experience. Having worked with the Drew Project in the past and as a queer artist herself, Grace Devine aims to provide support for LGBTQ youth through her music. Before we jump into the interview, please like, follow, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now, here's a clip of Grace Devine's fourth single of 2023, Gifted Child.
Hi, welcome to Underground at the Showcase, the official podcast of the Underground Music Showcase and a production of Youth on Record. I'm Xavier Goche. And I'm Chloe Hines. So that was Gifted Child, Grace Devine. Thank you for being here with us. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Yeah, so immediately right off the bat, I would like to know more about your artistry. How would you describe your sound? Um, my sound is kind of fluid. Uh, sometimes I just want to make like epic songs with like a big voice sometimes I just want to like kind of make fun of myself a little bit sometimes I want to be spiritual so I don't know yeah nice and um you're originally from Miami Florida yes what triggered the move from such a sunny place to the cold wintry mountains of Colorado CU Denver I came out here for CU Denver and just kind of stuck around Okay, what'd you major in? Uh, music business. Nice, nice. Did you enjoy the program? Oh, yeah, for sure. I made the best friends that I'll have for the rest of my life there. Great. Yeah. Who are some other prominent artists that you know that came from your program? Um, well, some of my great friends are in a band called Fresh Fruit. Um, Megan Ellsworth is a great singer-songwriter. Alana Mars... And so many others. Alana Mars is also playing this year, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. She played, she's doing a solo set later today. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. She's really good too. She's amazing. Um, do you, would you say that you draw inspiration from your fellow, you know, you see you Denver artists? Oh yeah, totally. Um, I'm just like constantly inspired by them. Their music is so good. And I don't feel like there's a competitive nature between us. I feel like we're all just happy for each other and we're all just grateful that like we get to share this special thing and be friends and do it all together yeah it's really yeah it's really great um is that how you would really describe the Denver music scene just very supportive people here are so nice like when I moved from Miami I had like a little bit of culture shock because people were just friendly and like chatting me up at first I was like, whoa, what's going on? And then I realized, I was like, oh, wow, like life is better when you're just nice to people and people are nice to you. People show up, they're supportive. It's really, yeah, I enjoy it here. Nice. Um, can you explain what celestial art pop is for anyone that's not familiar with that genre? Yeah, celestial art pop is sparkly, shiny, what you listen to at three in the morning, when you're up by yourself, feeling existential. Nice. Just, yeah. you know, just howling at the moon, three o'clock oh. in the morning. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, How do you acquire that sound? Is there like specific yeah. equipment you use? Are you really into like synthesizers? It sounded like from your music, you're really into that same type of like MGMT synthesizer, you know? I'm so glad you asked. I love talking about this. So um, over quarantine, I had nothing to do but make music. Um, there are worse ways to spend quarantine for sure. I got really into sound design. Um, I'm just like addicted to YouTube tutorials, honestly. So I just, I started thinking about my sounds like a color palette. So like when you're making a song, you don't want, I mean, sometimes you want like all blues or all purples, but I just try to like think about the textures of sounds and like what's missing from this rainbow. And the synths happen. Sometimes I just like press buttons until it sounds good. Sometimes I have like a mission and a way to get there. 
but it's a lot of like experimenting. Um, I use Ableton, so I don't use like traditional synthesizers really. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's mostly like software instruments. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I start with, um, I'm going to nerd out a little bit. No, please do. <laughs> okay, please. cool. I usually start with like a double oscillator synth, like analog or wavetable and then go from there. Okay. Yeah. Is there any other like basic equipment you started out with that you might recommend to younger artists just starting out? Yeah. I think GarageBand is like everyone's home base when it comes to music. I have like such fond memories of being 10 years old and having GarageBand on my brother's computer, <laughs> like staying up all night making beats, I guess. Um, and from there, Logic is great too, because you don't really have to worry about sound design. The instruments are just kind of there for you. And it's a great tool for songwriters too, because you just get like a drummer track. It's easy to get a demo out very quickly. Um, and then I personally went to Ableton because I wanted to be challenged a little bit more when it comes to sound design. If you don't mind me asking, what instruments do you specialize in? Um, I'm a vocalist, first and foremost. I've been singing ever since I was a kid. So using my voice as an instrument is definitely, it definitely fires me up more than anything. Um, but I play guitar and piano. Nice. Um, I do want to dig a little bit deeper into that because you did get really excited about <laughs> talking about the process of like how you use these. So obviously you do patching in Ableton. Mm -hmm. uh, can you speak about like what the difference is between patching and using like a, a pre-made software instrument and like what that difference is for you specifically? Yeah. So I, I like to go back and forth between Logic and Ableton. I just got, I, I keep getting like free trials of Logic. Um, I hope they don't hear this. I just <laughs> I get like different email accounts because you get like a 90 day trial. Oh, yeah. It's like pretty, Reaper. <laughs> yeah, it's great, honestly. I support that. Super clutch. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, but I guess it depends. Sometimes I like write a song and then I sit down at the computer and it's time to produce. And I'm like, okay, what does this need? I don't know. And if I don't know, then I go to Logic and I just find sounds. And I'm like, oh, that sounds cool. But what if the reverb was a little less? What if it sounded like it was right in front of you? What if it was a little crunchier? What if it was a little darker? And then from there, if I like don't get what I want out of that, then I know what I want and I go to Ableton. It's like, I don't, I don't really know how to describe it. I guess like if you're an artist and you're trying to draw something, you like have a reference to look at. Sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't. And then you're like, okay, I know what I want in my head. And you close your eyes and go for it. I'm not an artist, so that's probably not how they do it. But An artist of sorts, though. I mean, yeah. the visualization <laughs> element, like you said, yeah. your color palette that you're working within. Does chordal structure, maybe like keys that you use play into that as well? Mm, that's a great question. Not as much, I would say. Um, when it comes to chords and stuff... I usually just try to find the chord that like best serves the melody or like sometimes I get a chord progression. And I'm like, oh, man, this is I feel something I have to write to this. Um, and then it just kind of builds from there. Yeah, totally, totally. But that's a great that's a great point. Yeah, I feel yeah. like sometimes people associate with maybe like blues, like sadder mm. with more like minor, you know, yeah. but that's not always the case. Like a lot of the time you can write really bright, poppy, you know, keys from totally minors so yeah yeah totally like um that Dua Lipa song don't don't start now that's in a minor key but for me like that song is like pink 
and like baby blue and like maybe like sparkly purple absolutely yeah, yeah. and a hype song nonetheless oh yeah for very sure very poppy mm -hmm. do you like Dua Lipa oh yeah I'm a human I mean <laughs> everybody likes Dua Lipa everyone loves Dua Lipa um hearing you say uh, the purple and blue. And mm -hmm. so obviously there's a bit of synesthesia going on with that. How does that play into your songwriting and into your music? Um, I think it's more in like a production uh, sense is when I feel it the most. Just kind of like finding sounds that, do you look for certain colors or certain vibes or do you kind of just like prefer to mess around and find something and kind of search and just stumble upon the latter okay, for sure yeah great. sometimes yeah. the color palette builds itself um sometimes when i write a song and sit down to produce it i'm like okay i know what i want like i want a pad that feels like sky blue with clouds spread out or like sometimes i'm like i want a synth that feels like neon green and it's like, ah, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs> very vibrant and <sighs> gritty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel that um, as a producer, like that's like probably my biggest thing I have trouble with is mm -hmm. like hearing something in my head and I'm like, okay, I know what yeah. I, what I want to put on like into the piano roll, mm -hmm. but I just cannot figure out like what that sound is kind of thing. Yeah. Um, something that helped me so, yeah. a lot um, when I was starting to produce is I listened to a lot of my favorite songs with like my high quality headphones. And I was like, okay, why do I like this song? Like mm. what about it makes yeah. me like it? Like if it was just played like voice and piano, sure, I'd still like it. But like, what about the production drew me in? And if you just really listen a lot of, and I'm speaking from like a pop standpoint, I'm sure like other genres this applies to too. But there are these little things that keep the listener engaged, whether they know it or not. So when I was in CU Denver, I took um, an arrangement class with Owen Quartz. And he brought in this producer who told us about this rule. I think it was like a Max Martin thing. I don't know. I, that might not be right. But he said, every four bars, try to do something different, even if the listener doesn't know it. So it could be like a kick is missing from this bar or the guitar has one syncopated chord, or you change the voicing of one chord, or you add like a top note that like the listener might not hear, but those things subconsciously keep people engaged. Okay, mm -hmm. that's actually amazing advice. Do you have any other advice for like uh, young artists that might be coming up in Denver? Yeah, um, just write as much as you can. Even if it's not good, just write, write, write. Yeah. And don't be afraid to sound bad. It's okay. That's good yeah. advice. Yeah, that is really good advice. Thank you. Yeah. Did, is there any advice that anyone gave you or that you wish someone had given you before you got into music? I wish someone had told me that. So when I was growing up and I was like, I want to be a musician when I grow up, all the adults were like, no, don't do that because when you do that, you won't like music anymore. And that is so false. I am a full-time freelance musician. Every day I have, even if it's my worst day as a musician, is better than any day I've had at any other job. So, like, if you can, don't be afraid to gig and do lessons or anything you have to do, you know? Or, like, if having a day job makes you feel more capable in pursuing your craft, then do that, you know? It doesn't make you less of a musician. Yeah, and I feel like that's a common experience, especially people that are, you know, branching out and going to study music or maybe don't, can't even afford college, you know, it's, yeah. it's 
discriminating. I don't know. Like yeah. people are saying no, but I feel like as I don't know, the scene is changing. And like you said, the community is really empowering. It feels like it's a super attainable goal to become a full-time musician. Yeah. And like a lot of my friends who are full-time musicians, like we pass students off to each other. We reference each other for gigs, you know, like there's a community to help you. How long have you been teaching music for? Um, I've been doing it on and off for a few years, but um, this past year I've been doing it full time. Okay, what all do you teach? I teach guitar, voice, and piano. Oh, okay, yeah. multi instrumentalist. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your favorite part about teaching? Um, I just love being around kids, inner child for days. Nice. What um, is probably like the most interesting thing that's happened in a in a lesson for you, or maybe most um, funny or. Yeah, one time I was leaving a lesson and I heard this little girl say to her mom, she says I'm a star. And I was like, yes, you are a star. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Um, and like backtracking to that whole thing of like people around you being like, oh, no, like don't go into music. You'll hate it. Mm -hmm. um, I never got you'll hate it. I just got it's not practical. Um, and I feel like uh, for that might be the case with a lot of young artists out here. Mm -hmm. Like they maybe feel like they can't do it because people have told them before, like, you're never going to make a living off of this. You're never. Um, and like you said, that seems to be something that feels more feasible in a city like Denver. Um, it's more like a city of opportunity in a sense. Um, does that feel the same in Miami or is that like not even talked about out there? Um, I don't know. So I left Miami when I was 18. So uh, my experience with the music industry was like my dad taking me to open mics on school oh, nights right, and sure. uh, like writing songs alone in my room. Um, but I, I like to think artists can make a living anywhere. You know, that's just me being like an optimist for sure. I also I, I also want to recognize like I come from a place of privilege. I was able to go to college like I was able to learn from people, you know, mm -hmm. so. Do you think that if you hadn't gone to college it would have been harder? I think about that a lot. I'm not sure, honestly. But I think I think it would have been harder. You know, when I moved here and went to college, I just like automatically had a circle built in, like via like classmates, professors. Yeah. Okay. If you're just joining us, you are listening to Underground at the Showcase, an official podcast of UMS and a production of Youth on Record. We're here with Grace Devine. Thank you again for joining us. Um, I want to know more about some other queer and LGBTQ artists within the scene that you admire or maybe have worked with before. Yeah. So Destino, uh, they're like right outside doing Shout a show. Shout out to Destino. Shout, Shout out, out to Destino, Destino and also Joshua Day. Yeah. Um, Destino is a great part of the community. Uh, Destino puts together these community events every year, which is like a festival of queer artists and um he also invited me to sing at his LGBTQ party yesterday at Bar 404, you know. So Destino's really about, like, providing opportunities for everyone, which I love. And also, they're just, like, a cool person. Um, Joshua Day, who I also met at CU Denver. I met my first year at CU Denver. We've been friends ever since. Um, he's just grown so much as an artist, as we all have. And he's so confident. He's a great singer. Blows me away every time I see him. And yeah, Neptune, of course. Like, I don't even need to say that. We all know Neptune's yeah. awesome. Yeah. 
Um, speaking of other queer artists, I saw that you performed at this year's Pride Fest. Um, one, how was that? And then two, like, how has your experience as a queer artist in Denver been? Um, have there been any challenges or has it pretty much just been full of support? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, Pride was awesome. It's Pride and UMS are tied for like my favorite weekends of the year. Nice. Like they both feel like Christmas. I'm Jewish, so I don't really know how Christmas morning feels, <laughs> but I assume it feels like Christmas morning. Um, it was awesome. I did one song at Pride. I went to them through the audition process um, and I got to see Maybe Fern, who shout out to them. Incredible band. Um, and it was great. I love Pride. My experience as a queer artist in Denver has been nothing but acceptance. Um, I was raised with two moms in South Florida, and I didn't always feel, um, I mean, I always felt comfortable because I had a family who loved me. I was, you know, I was happy growing up, but it was hard because, you know, it was like 2000s. They were both public school teachers, so... We had to kind of like keep the family identity on a need to know basis. Um, but yeah, it's a different time and it's a different place now. So I feel unafraid. I feel accepted. I feel celebrated too and respected, which I really appreciate. Nice. And yeah. speaking of like growing up in Florida um, and kind of having to keep that identity hidden um, with everything that's going on in Florida right now, um, how do you feel about that it with it being your home state your yeah home. I don't feel good about it um obviously I work uh with this organization called the Jew Project they're an LGBTQ organization that gives scholarships out to youth um my mentor slash like big sister slash creative partner Sarah Grossman is on the board for it and she helped start the Jew Project after the Pulse shooting when she lost her best friend Jew um, so we do a lot of work there giving out scholarships to LGBTQ youth. And so we keep up with the laws and we keep up with everything. And, you know, it's easy to remove yourself from it and think like, oh, you know, it's not that bad. We're in Denver. Peace, love, happiness, Denver. But it does affect people. It does. Yeah. Speaking of the Drew Project, um, I did see that you had a song called Glistening that you actually donated like all of the proceeds for towards the Drew Project. Can you talk to us about that and your work within that? Yeah. Um, so, you know, streaming doesn't pay that well. Yeah. So all 10 <laughs> cents went to the Drew Project. Um, but I was lucky. I, all of June, I just plugged the Drew Project as much as possible. And a ton of like my friends and people in the community donated. Um, and we were able to give out like... I don't think I'm going to get the number right, so I'm not going to say it, but we gave out a ton in scholarships and helped send people to college. Nice. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I love it. I'm really passionate about it. Yeah, it's definitely important work. Um, and like you said, like we live in Denver. I feel like it can be really easy to kind of get lost in the 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 more liberal side of mm -hmm. Colorado, but we did still have like a Club Q shooting and there's mm -hmm. still a lot of injustice going on all over the United States and states that are right next to us. So yeah, um, I definitely think it's important to like stay vigilant about that and make yes. sure that there are opportunities for kids, especially if they are seeing the news and they might feel scared or might yeah. feel like they have to hide who they are because of safety. We need to protect this part of the world. And like, we need to protect these kids. Cause like when you're growing up 
And not only do the people around you make you feel like you're not worthy, you're not a human, but the laws say that too. Mm -hmm. Like imagine what that does to a child, you know? Um, I would like to know more about your future plans for your career, maybe within the community or outside. Yeah. So right now I'm working on an EP that's going to be out September 15th. Um, It's called Taste of Heaven. The songs are just about like being an artist and what that feels like. Um, I have a headlining show coming up then uh, with Sophie Gray and Alana Mars on support. And I'm just going to keep making music and going to shows. Awesome. Yeah. Where is that show going to be with Alana? Globe Hall. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Have you played Globe Hall before? I have. I got to open for Costanza, um, the Cinco de Mayo. And I love Globe Hall. Been to so many shows there. Great barbecue. What's your favorite venue to play locally? Mm, um, I would say, I don't know. I feel like Lost Lake has a special place in my heart. Just because like, that was one of the first places I played in Denver. Will you tell us more about your upcoming EP? Um, Maybe like some of the inspiration that went behind that, some artists that influenced that? Yeah, so I was really um, inspired by Florence and the Machine and Maggie Rogers. Like once again, those big epic songs like, oh, Um, yeah. And it's just really about like the ups and downs of being an artist. Like, you know, I'm sure you guys know, it can be painful sometimes. Absolutely. You want it so bad and it's like, this glistening cloud in front of your face and you just try to grab it and sometimes it's there sometimes it's not but once you get it it's just the best feeling in the world and like that's why we keep doing it do you think that there has been any um pushback as a pop artist uh coming into denver um at least for me being a hip-hop artist like it's uh hip-hop isn't super big in Denver. Like, it's it's big-ish, but it's not like we have, like, a huge community out here. Um, but obviously, like, you've been talking about the pop and queer pop community specifically. Like, do you feel like with that support, there's more of a rise for pop music in Denver? Totally. I mean, I wouldn't say I faced any pushback. I would say that um, I did have to look a little hard to find my people or people I could play on a bill with, people I could collaborate with that would make sense. Um, but sure enough, I found those people. We found each other. Destino, Joshua Day, uh, Neoma, who is a good friend of mine too. Nice. Yeah. You can find Grace Divine's music wherever you stream your tunes and on social media at Grace Divine Music. We want to give a big thanks to Meininger Art Supply for letting us record season two at their store on North Broadway. Learn more at www.meininger.com. Underground at the Showcase is an official podcast of the Underground Music Showcase and a production of Youth on Record. You can learn more about Youth on Record at www.youthonrecord.org and on social media at Youth on Record. This episode was edited and mixed by me. Our production team also includes Cesar Ibarra, Ryan Conora, Chloe Hines, and Emerson Olson. Our executive producer is David Layden. Our theme song was recorded by Genevieve Glimp, Danny Akery, and David Layden. Additional music for this episode is provided by me. You can find my music on streaming platforms under Black Key, that's B-L-V-C-K-Q-I. Thank you again for listening. I'm Xavier Goche, and this is Underground at the Showcase. <laughs>